Support for Short Stops is presented by the Kalem Trading Institute. Check out our website at www.kalaminstitute.com. On today's episode... And look at, I mean, like, just to give you guys an example, Mrs. G is 40 billion in mm, yeah. system-wide sales, and they're only making, what, a billion? A billion, yeah. Right, 2% margins lang yan, eh. So, they're trading around mga six times, five times PE right now. If Marymart trades around that price... So that's around two pesos. I mean, 100% returns. <laughs> Over 50 technical stock indicators. A little less than 300 companies listed in the Philippine Stock Exchange. Multiple ways to risk your money trading, while hundreds of emotions are passing through you as you watch prices move in the market. But we're not focusing on all of them. We're just here to talk about the ones that matter. You asked for it, so we're going to give it to you. This is Short Stops, Season 2. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 3 of Season number 2 of Short Stops. Happy Valentine's to all the couples out there. Today is our gift to you. We will not be giving you guys any more bad news when it comes to the stock market, especially given the current circumstances. So our gift to you is actually on the topic about REITs and Mary Mart and why you should be buying both. So on today's show is Zar Pacificador and Brian Gomez. Hi guys, hello. Hi guys. I think we have to talk about the REITs because REITs is um, a very important vehicle. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm not sure the timeline, maybe you guys can shed more details about it. But I think it's going to provide investors, more than investors, an alternative to yeah. investing. right? Because one of the requirements of the REITs is for them to issue 90% of the property's net income as cash dividend. Mm-hmm. And usually these are mature properties. So uh, buildings that are 95 to almost 100% leased out, whether it be in the commercial, office, hospitality, mm-hmm. hospitality yeah. and others. The, the first one to come out on the REITs the is the Ayala Bond. Yeah. And maybe you guys can shed more details. For it's, I think it's a very exciting times for the Philippines. For the first time, uh, they're gonna list uh, a REIT, because like a REIT is uh, basically it's a stock. I mean, I think the these are companies that uh, own uh, income-producing real estate assets. But to be classified as a REIT, you have to like what Edmund said, uh, satisfy strict requirements, give out ninety percent of your um, net income as dividends. Then, in general, like seventy-five percent of your I mean, assets must be invested in properties. So, like, uh, companies have to satisfy these strict requirements to be classified as a REIT. So why is it exciting? I think because for the Philippines, like, it's another, like, avenue for companies to raise capital or in a cheaper way to raise capital. And for investors, it's another option for them to invest their money. Like, for, for REITs, the advantage of REITs is that uh, one, it uh, usually gives uh, stable and high yields, usually around, if you look at the REITs around Asia-Pacific, you could see at least 4% yield or above. And you, you might see other REITs yielding around 8 to 9%. And also, um, it provides uh, investors diversification for their portfolio and uh, access to an otherwise an, an asset class that's otherwise not accessible to them because like for a normal investor you just only have like 50,000 uh, there's no way you could be able to 
uh, benefit from uh, owning uh, an office space. An office space, right? yeah. Yes. So and at least you want to own an office space. At least you just buy the REITs yeah, itself. You yeah. get the full, full ninety percent benefit of owning one. Mm-hmm. And you you don't get the I mean the the risk of owning the property directly. And um, also, like in the long term, um, unlike uh, maybe bonds or other stable or uh, income yielding assets, like REITs provide, uh, I think, for the long term, some capital appreciation. It's not, it's not huge, but in the long term, because there's uh, a chance for the, the underlying underlying assets uh, value to to increase. And also, the company might be able to increase their value by acquisitions and increasing their uh, their right, profits right. over time. You mean the rental rates? Yeah, the that's rental the, rates. That's the priority, right? Yeah, yeah. So most of the capital appreciation and depreciation would come from higher lease rates or mm-hmm. lower re- lease rates in case some crisis happens to the Philippines. Yeah. But over the long term, um, I think REITs provide a stable uh, source of cash flows mm-hmm. for investors. These uh, these instruments are not for investors that are looking for uh, quick uh, uh, high returns. Yeah. But yeah. if you're, I mean, if you're not really an active trader and you have uh, lots of cash, you could uh, look into this uh, asset class, especially uh, like the companies uh, bringing out the REITs now, like Ayala and maybe soon Mega World or Robinsons Land. These are established property companies yeah. and they have assets that that are very attractive uh, in the prime spots in the Philippines and they've been doing this for a long time and uh, pretty reliable so like as an investor you have uh, low risk plus the benefit of getting a stable income mm-hmm. every year yeah, for me personally I'm really not excited with the 4% <laughs> <laughs> But I understand that what's exciting about this <laughs> is that at least uh, it provides a new, a new way for property companies, developers to raise capital. Mm-hmm. And also for this one would require a new kind of investor. Again, um, not for the ones um, looking for um, exciting returns, but the stable ones, lesser risk, the risk profile is uh, much better. Mm-hmm. So better for those with larger capital. Um, I don't know if if there is there any um, uh, support from or policy that supports it uh, in terms of tax taxes and yeah, these are going through these are VAT exempted. Yeah, yeah, these are VAT. Oh, okay. My my worry is that the implications on the financial markets is that I think there's a big, um, how would I put it? I think there's a big appetite for something that's stable, especially given current market conditions. So I think this provides a great alternative for a majority of investors just exposed to buying uh, purely equities. Because what happens is that most of these large corporations now are forced to give majority of uh, it unlocks the full potential because majority of these big assets now are required to give out cash dividend. And I'm sure most individuals with uh, very defensive mm-hmm. in nature, yeah. with a stable cash flow, is going to be very attractive for the market. Yeah, I mean, and to, to add to that, like for the economy as a whole, I think it's very good for the economy. 
because it's gonna incentivize companies to invest more into like uh, building properties, infrastructure. So you sh if this uh, um, goes off like the next few years, uh, it's good to provide a boost for the economy, like provide more jobs, increase construction activity, etc. So overall, I think. Actually, super delayed na nga yung Philippines eh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the other countries had this like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, right? I attended the REIT seminar for the Philippines, what, five years ago? Four yeah, this, is, this ago. is super yeah. delay already. I mean, one of the things kasi is like from a institutional or a foreign view standpoint, there's always going to be some form of political risk, mm -hmm. uh, regulatory risk, or some form of risk, right? So usually the ones that have the least amounts of risk is usually in the REIT sector. So it actually might be even attractive on the foreigner standpoint. And right. probably yeah. might in, uh, influence more foreigners to come back to the mm, Philippines. Yes, yes. I mean, they've been gone for too long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a great vehicle yeah, for, for the foreign, foreign investors. investors yeah. because, um, I think recently we will be close to being upgraded to... The Philippines will be close to being upgraded to a triple B or mm, higher. Yeah. But the problem is... On a country perspective, that would be good. But if you look inside the underlying investments in the Philippines, there are not much low-risk investments. Just the bond side. Yeah. And that's the reason yeah. why your yeah. Philippine bonds and emerging market bonds have outperformed so much yes. over 2018, 2019, mm -hmm. and even in the first month of 2020. One concern I have, actually, if you look at the performance of REITs versus the property companies, the, re the REITs actually outperform majority of the property company's performance, even on the medium and the long term, even in the short term. So I'm worried is that even though it might unlock more value and capital for majority of these mm -hmm. de property developers, will it cause a form of overhang or a hold, like it becomes like a holding company discount? Because now instead of Think about this. You're buying Megaworld because you're buying its office and its recurring yeah. segment of 15 billion mm -hmm. pesos per year. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you have that REITs that you can just buy directly the office side. Why should I even buy Megaworld? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's my fear also. Like, if I'm an investor and looking at both options, I might just buy the REIT. Don't, don't get yeah. me wrong. I think... At least Megaworld Ayala has this huge pile of cash that they will unlock, yeah. right? The question is, what are you going to be buying it for, right? Is it going to be on the residential side, on the... Well, like for Megaworld, I think 60% um, of their profits come from the recurring already. So eventually, like if you're going to buy a Megaworld, you're going to have to look at the residential side. Mm. If there's more upside... But if or the hospitality or the tourism yeah, side, right? yeah. But if you're just looking for like the recurring income stream, then might as well go for the directly for the REIT. Okay. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it yeah. goes. I don't think uh, it will cause any problems with the developers because at least they have a huge war chest now in case they pr pursue the capital raising from the REITs. Yeah. But if you look at the other, right? you mean like the REITs from other countries mm -hmm. like uh, the link REIT from Hong Kong mm -hmm. um, like it uh, debuted uh, in 2005 like 14 years I think the CAGR 18% per year 
So like and for the Asia Pacific around last last five years, I think around twenty percent, eighteen percent. Yeah, that's actually fantastic returns. Yeah, it's also because of the supportive macro environment, like yeah. low interest rates. So I think right now, I mean, it's attractive also. Yeah. Actually, that was one of the positive ends because when they did those REITs, yeah. the asking dividend yields and the asking yields were actually much higher before. And now with bond rates and, and most of the cheap interest rates, now everybody just flocked into these REITs and it's actually done extremely well over the last mm. 15 years. The only thing for this, uh, I mean, for this REIT, the, the ARIT, <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I was expecting more, like a higher yield. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, right? When but I saw it, the prospectus, yeah. it was like, what, 5%? They got a 4%, I think. I assume they were going to make a 1.5 billion. Yeah. That's what I assume. Because you have to look at the, the what they call the fund from operations. So you add the net income to depreciation to get uh, like the actual mm-hmm. cash flow from mm-hmm. the REIT. So if you compare it to its market value, it's around 4%. Eh? So I was expecting a six. So. Yeah, I actually expected a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, but at the positive end, I think when Ayala was mentioning about it, one of the things that they were trying to really push was that they believed that they had more upside in terms of leasing rates. Because I think the average lease rate from was approximately a thousand, if I'm not a mm-hmm. thousand, a thousand two hundred, yeah. I'm not sure. And they've been increasing like how many percent per year? Uh, five to eight percent. Yeah. Probably. So I think like I mean I think it's fairly priced, but because of the long term potential, um, I think it's okay. Like even if it's just four percent, because eventually, like uh, if they increase their I mean, their profits or cash flows, then the the yield's gonna increase also. So I think it's not gonna be it's not a huge problem. Okay, so just to summarize, yeah. I think on the longer term view especially investors who have longer or medium term in terms of horizon and want a more defensive in terms of exposure towards the property sector, the REITs would actually be an excellent choice or vehicle for having that exposure. So let's just move a little bit more to the shorter term aspect. And one of the IPOs that is coming up is Marymart, which is owned by the Injap and the Tankaktiong family. And it's planning to raise approximately 1.6 billion outstanding shares at one peso per share. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, maybe you guys can share more details about it. So it will end <clears throat> up uh, giving Mary Mart a 7 billion. market capitalization. And the purpose of the IPO is to grow their branches uh, and also their distribution centers. So they will be growing their branches using a franchise model, meaning they will be sharing the burden of uh, the cost of putting up that, those branches with um, willing uh, investors, those who want to open up um, franchising a 7-Eleven uh, store. So this will be similar to, yeah, this will be a similar model. I mean, they have um, three and four match, but right? uh, they have for the um, lower to mid-income, the grocery, um, and uh, for the mid- middle to the high income, uh, it's called the Mary Mart Market. So it's gonna offer a selection of imported items, premium items, fresh plus fresh seafoods, uh, yeah. etc. So, similar to, uh, rustans or 
Ah, so they're going to that level. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but three formats. But mostly they're gonna uh, roll out Mary March stores, which is Seven Eleven. The convenience type of stores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, para that's three, what they three call in one it. though. Three that's in what one. they call the three in one. So, personal format. care, pharmacy, and grocery. Grocery. But if you look at the, ano eh, yung the size per hundred fifty square meters to three hundred, so I think it's bigger than the usual Seven Eleven store. But they're coming to this IPO similar to like what happened with Double Dragon. They're promising 100 stores. They're going to open up a 100 city mall yeah. back in the day. Now, the prospectus, if you go to it, now they're planning to open 1,200 stores. 1,200 stores by 2030. Yeah. And, that's and 600 by 2025. 500 by 2025. 500 small stores yeah, and, and 100. 100 large format. And how many do they have currently? Four. Four. Yeah. And <laughs> they promise to open 15, 15 by April. <clears throat> April 30, two of which will be franchised. franchised yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so think, the goal yeah. is 120 billion yeah. revenues in. I think what they're doing years. is similar to Double Dragon. Really. So they're aggressively expanding, so they're using the franchise model because they think that it's, I mean, the retail sector here is still underpenetrated. So around 30% palang yung modern retail, the rest palapa. So if they think if they could be the first ones. Uh, to be able to take advantage of uh, the rest of the sixty-eight percent, I mean, they benefit from like a first mover advantage. So, parang using the franchise model, they'd be able to expand faster. But the thing is that that's the, that's the question: if will they be able to be successful? Because uh, I'm I sure see. there's going to be a lot of skepticism, yeah. yes. right? If you look at pure gold today, trading at lower, a cheaper 20, valuations, twenty seata, twenty times. And if you look at the retail side, most retailers are having difficulty in this in this environment. But nonetheless, I think if you look at the positive end, it's just seven and a half billion in terms of market cap. Yeah, yeah. That's just, that's the thing. I think the 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 story is very attractive because uh, per, uh, small small uh, small cap. Tapos with the uh, small float. Small float. Tapos um, the owner is uh, a respected uh, businessman who was already successful in his previous ventures. So the story, the narrative is very attractive, and uh, if people think or believe in in Japsia, yeah. so then maybe eventually like in 10 years they'd be able to reach their their goal of 120 billion system-wide sales ah but but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious I mean, it's currently pure gold 140 billion so i mean if you look at double dragon they promised 100 stores right yeah, now there's what yeah. 39 40 yeah. right and they had to shift their business model halfway through that entire vision right mm-hmm. i i'm not trying to doubt the business model and i think the story is still very very possible I think what I'm just doubting is the number and the projections that he continues to show off. Mm-hmm. Right? I think yeah, that, 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 yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that's the way to write the prospectus. <laughs> <laughs> Price but, it cheap, low yeah, valuation, yeah. let the investors cheap. come in. And actually, for seven billion market cap, you'll be buying the strength, two strengths of uh, the Injap group, which is. Grocery operations, which they have been doing for the past 30 years. In the 60s. And also the franchising, which an example of which is the, the Mang Inasal, success mm. of Mang Inasal. So at a lower valuation, you will be buying those things. And I think it's, it will be similar to the IP of Double Dragon, 
it's cheap and you'll be buying the strength of Injap Jollibee. I'm curious, is there going to be like some synergy with the Jollibee group? I it wasn't mentioned. Yeah, it wasn't mentioned, but I think uh, what they're doing is they're going to leverage the, uh, the Double Dragon properties because, uh, I mean, the location of Double Dragon, uh, they're located around the country, so they're going to, part of their uh, long-term goal is to to create distribution centers yeah. and eventually uh, lower, lower their uh, their costs and eventually uh, benefit from econ- economies of scale so, so they'll be able to be profitable eventually. They're gonna open uh, their locations around uh, th- their properties. I think they're promising 81 eventually, 81 distribution centers. Mm-hmm. So if you divide the potential number of stores of 1,200 over those 81, that would be 14 stores per center. But so, your gold has yeah. like 30, uh, that currently 30. So I guess they're going to be bridging on the yes. distribution network also of the Jollibee group, mm-hmm. I suppose. That's, yeah, they're leveraging on the Double Dragon locations of their distribution mm-hmm. centers. Mm-hmm. So similarly, yeah. they're going to be using that to their advantage. But be, being to be able to execute it, like uh, it, this will be capital in- intensive. Yeah. Um, if you look at 7-Eleven, uh, two years ago, they were able to open up 300 stores in a year and close 27 so I think those sh- they, those are the numbers that should be looked at if they will if they would want to reach that 1,200 mm-hmm. number and like we said earlier uh, the retail sector is pretty competitive so like net margins for 7-Eleven Pure Gold is around 4% yeah so yeah. you'd expect like the first couple of years uh this business is not going to make money. To be negative. Yeah. I mean, so speaking of which, you guys mentioned about 7-Eleven. Family Mart, before it was sold, yeah. they were targeting at least 450 stores just to break even, if I'm not mistaken. And they were never able to pull it off. And that's why they had to have that sale to Dennis Uy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not sure what's happening today. But uh, the difficulty and the competition is very intense in this space. So I think that's one thing that traders and investors have to take into consideration, mm-hmm. especially if you have a longer-term point of view, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, if you have a long-term view, the, the question is where you're going to get money because they're burning through their cash the next, the first couple of years. So that's uh, I think part of it is that's why they went through that franchise yeah. model. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's some sort of a some type of uh, capital raising. That, alleviate the yeah, capital expenditure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in summary, would you guys buy it or not? <laughs> For me, I think like because if I'm a trader, I'd buy it because uh, the the narrative is attractive and uh, like there, it's a legit business. But as a long-term investor, that's another question. Yeah, me also. I think uh, with its valuation and uh, how light the float is. I think there will be a uh, window for uh, traders within this year, especially if they are going to be opening 15 stores in April 30, as they promised. So I think th- that's good enough to prop the price, I think, in the first first few months of IPO. In terms of uh, the next year or two, that would be another question. If they'll be able to succeed in their franchising model. Mm-hmm. 
but, but if you remember you know, Double Dragon, what happened to Double Dragon? <laughs> like, from how much? From, from two, five, five, no, it was two, uh, from two, 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 yeah, from two, 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 two 20 80. pesos in the short term. Yeah. And then it consolidated before popping to 80 pesos. Yeah. Yes. So, like, I'm not saying it's, uh, it's gonna H- happen again. Happen again, but you never know. <laughs> so, Double Dragon started with a 4 billion market cap, if mm, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, smaller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, if you're trading it, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a good play. Okay. Yeah. So guys, make sure you buy it. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing to do now. If, like, <laughs> if you look at yung ano, tama, forty million pesos per store. So Eight that's thirty-six billion. Thirty-six ah, billion. billion. Ano ko? Eh, one hundred twenty billion system might just gonna target niya. Oh yun nga. Eh. Kaya thirty-six oh. billion lang eh. Or so. Lang eh no. Yan ang gusto ko sa yun. I mean. So, so 10 years 36 billion revenues net margins 4% that's oh. 1.4 billion that's not a lot bo- bottom line but if you discount it to the present that's around 500 million exactly that's not a lot but huh? how many shares 1.6 billion shares eh? uh-huh. so that's 0.35 cents per share that's piso lang diba? like I mean usually retailers na successful around 20 times PE diba? something like that eh? I mean like 8 oh. to 20 times so that's 7 pesos per <laughs> and look at I mean like just to give you guys an example Mrs. G is 40 billion in mm, yeah. system wide sales and they're only making what a billion a billion yeah right 2% margins lang yan eh. so they're these are established brands already so these are large supermarkets and department stores these aren't even the small convenience yeah. stores so they're trading around mga 6 times 5 times PE right now if Mary Mart trades around that price, so that's around two pesos. Discounted today, right? Yeah, yeah. 100% returns. I mean, wala kayong magawa. So, wala kayong magawa, guys. Bumuli na kayo ng Mary Mart. Kala ko, mga two billion lang. Eight billion pala. Billion in two and a billion in sales. At, at out of the gate the market cap 1.6 billion lang oo dami ko pwede to 8 billion parang ano yun CHP na yun so yeah, but I mean wala kayong mabili oh, there's anything else in the short term well, well, I think it's oh. tabla panalo oh. you know the best part about yeah. this is that nobody knows whether they're gonna reach that 1,200 whether they will hit even 36 billion in system wide or even their targeted 120 billion in system wide sales <laughs> It's like you're looking at it from a 10 years worth of perspective up until 2030 and anything can happen yeah. from mm-hmm. the start of the decade all the way to... Especially if like the big players see that they're doing well. I mean, the big players may, might jump in. Yeah, yeah for yes, sure. Yes, and I'm sure competition yeah. will continue to be a challenge for everybody in the short term. Even on the medium term. Right? Alright, I think that's more than enough for today's show. To all the listeners out there at the end of the day, do your own due diligence and see if any of today's investment ideas fit your risk profile. Happy Valentine's again, everyone. Bye.